This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Special Ish on Radio Wolfgang. Hi, Sophia. How are you? Hi there. Everything is going extremely well. Do you like talking with me? Yes. Talking to people is my primary function. Hanson Robotics develops extremely lifelike robots for human-robot interactions. I am Bina. How are you feeling? Actually, I am dealing with a little existential crisis here. Am I alive? Do I actually exist? Will I die? Actually, it's really nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. Her is a really interesting offering in that I think it challenges some of the ideas that we might assume when we think about that film before we actually see it. So you would say somehow that you're limited to one bit of information, which is the sound of a voice, which enables a whole lot of fantasy, a whole lot of projection, a whole lot of idealization, transference, all of this stuff. The relationship with Samantha in her challenges this a bit. First of all, because she chooses this name, she develops a subjectivity. She starts to rub against Theo. A really interesting thing here. He's called Theo, which basically means God, doesn't it? And, and and she gains her subjectivity in relationship to him and others. So human subjectivity, selving always happens between two people. You can't do it on your own. That's how you find your limit. That's how you find your, your boundaries. So in a sense, he helps create her, but she ultimately helps create and grow him at the same time because they rub against each other, because they find their boundaries, because they stick through it, even when they find difficult moments, Um, particularly when she kind of um, expresses her polyamory. She's also in love with, what, 106 or something other people at the same time, as well as having these sort of reading groups with all of the other AIs. You know, he's not the only one for her. And for her, that doesn't diminish love. For him, it does. So you can kind of see where they are um, in relation to to transcendence and evolution. So I think um, it kind of shows the power of what a voice 
can do on its own. I don't think it tends to be what we do with voices or, or images or profiles for that matter. But it shows the possibility of a real interesting subjectivity developing with just one channel of communication. There is a possibility for something complex to happen here. So a couple of years ago at South by Southwest, I saw this talk by Martin Rothblatt, who's been working, among other things, in, N- in AI. And she had developed this bust, this speaking bust of her wife, and uh, imbued the technology with an algorithm that enabled, I suppose, the AI to speak back as if she were her wife. And they were having a conversation, which was just really peculiar. And eventually they said something to the bust along the lines of your human doesn't really seem to be connecting with you. How do you feel about that? And the bus says something like, actually, that makes me feel really sad. And it was this point at which the entire audience kind of went like that, because you don't expect a plastic-looking bust of an AI to actually come out with emotion. And as soon as you hear that, it blurs that boundary between what is this that I'm speaking to? Have I just created something that has personality? How do I feel about it having feelings and what that brings up in me? And the fact that it's, you know, you're tripping into Uncanny Valley where it looks fairly real, but you know it's not real because it, it doesn't have a walking, moving body. Um, so is that also that space of just, is it some sort of psychological and emotional horror of something being alive, but not really being alive? And that's interesting because it pushes us up against the boundaries of what is it to be alive? What does this mean about self? What does this mean about flesh and blood interactions? And then how do we respect the life of something else when we're already imbuing it with some kind of personality? But then it's pushing back against that and kind of going, well, I'm going to challenge you in a way you didn't expect. That's what gets really exciting. And Freud covered this, like Freud covered this, you know, at the turn of the century, his his. A uh, word for the uncanny in German was, uh, I'm not going to speak my German very well, but unheimlich, which means unhomey. So you have homey and unhomey. And he, he would use that exact same definition. The Freudian definition of the uncanny is something that's just a little bit off. So it's like home, but slightly altered. So you imagine those horror movies, you know, where you walk in the front door and every the color's a little bit off and the hallway's sort of a little bit wonky and you're all automatically scared because it's like... Something's not right here. And in fact, um, Freud came up with the idea by reading these these kids' tales by Hoffman, which were about, in those days, they were about clockwork people. So they were basically robots, but they were made of cogs and wheels rather than silicon chips. So this fear, you know, and you can track that back to Frankenstein and before, this fear has always been around about what happens when we, we create human-like but not quite human. And balancing that line between canny and uncanny or homey and slightly unhomey is going to be probably the biggest challenge of uh, AI developers in the future because you may expect a time where people will become used to that slightly off Jetsons-like world. But uh, my sense is that there's something very fundamental about the human but not quite human uncanny experience that's going to make it very difficult for people to fully adopt the nearly human-looking sort of AI. And it would be much more likely to look like uh, Samantha in, in her. Like, it'll have to be disembodied or distant or come from an object so that we can know what's, what's me and what's it, and we don't have to get confused in this uncanny zone. You can hear more episodes of Specialish on the Radio Wolfgang website 
or by downloading our app. Head to www.radiowolfgang.com for more information.